in this series called We Need to Talk. How many of you believe that effective communication is critical for any relationship to flourish? Yes, and unfortunately, we stink at it. Can we get some more amens? Can we get some honest people? Yeah, we do. I mean, why? Because we're human beings. And, and, and sometimes, uh, well, depending on who you are, a lot of times the things that come out of our mouth are perceived differently from the person that hears. This, it's like when things come out of our mouth, it, it goes through this filter sometimes, and then the other person, we think, just gets something completely different. How many of you have ever said to your husband, are these your underwear on the floor? <laughs> Nobody's ever said that? Are these your underwear on the floor? And, and really, what she means is, pick up your underwear. Why you, Don't leave your underwear on the floor. But he, he hears something different. When he hears her say, are these your underwear on the floor? What his response is immediately, well, they better be. Who, who else's would they be? Sometimes what we mean isn't always the thing that, that comes out of our mouth. We can agree that effective communication is one of the biggest challenges that we face in relationships. And in this series, we've been talking about the fact that our words aren't just words that come out of our mouth. Our words that are seeds that produce something. We're, we're going to be talking later about what do we do when, when communication breaks down? Where is the fix for that? Today, I've, the, the message is literally titled, entitled, Don't Talk to Me Like That. We're going to be talking about some patterns of communication that are dysfunctional. And when I say dysfunctional, I, I want to use that word interchangeably with sinful. And we're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about communication patterns that we need to stop. Communication patterns that are hindering not only the growth of our relationships, but the way in which we talk, it's actually hindering what God wants to do in us and in our relationships. And the interesting thing is, is that we rarely recognize when we're doing it. We, we, we don't. In fact, whenever we talk, we think that we're actually speaking something very light, something easy. And, and when we talk, when our words come out of our mouths, we're actually asking someone to hold our words. And typically, whenever we talk and we say things, we, we think we're actually asking them to hold something light like this feather here. If I were to give you this feather, would you have a problem holding it? No, not at all. In fact, you, this is what we think. We, we think that we're, we're speaking, so it's, it's deserved. Sometimes when we actually say harsh words, we can justify it by saying, you know what, well, you know, th this is actually, they need to hear this. They, they, someone needs to tell them the truth, and it's got to be me. And so we, we hand them this feather, and we're like, look how light that is. That, isn't that beautiful? In fact, you, you could give somebody several of these things. They could uh, carry them around all day and not even feel it. And, and we just, we, this, look how light that is. Doesn't that feel good? You know, you need this. And, and we drop it on them, and, and this, that's how we feel the words are coming out. In fact, we, we could give them several according to what we think, and it, we, we don't care because we're giving them something light. It's, it's needed. It's truth. In fact, if we, if we really get into it, uh, we, we give them something like this. I mean, you can put that in your hat and decorate with that, you know. I mean, we're giving you something useful to carry, and what we don't realize is that we're not giving them something light and easy to carry around. In actuality, we're giving them something heavy and dirty and hard and rough like the cinder block. And so they come out of our mouths, the words do, and we think we're actually asking someone to hold a feather, but we're really saying, here, hold this. Ow. And I'm so glad that happened. You know, I visualized myself doing that and drawing blood. That was almost the case. But the fact is, is that it hurts. It hurts. We, we, we think we're, we're, we're doing something like this, but in actuality, it's something like that. We're actually, actually hold, asking people to hold a cinder block, and it's, it's not easy. Could our relationships benefit if we would learn to recognize the cinder block when we think we're holding the feather? 
with our words? Could they? I mean, I, I want you to recognize this, but I want you to listen to what Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says this, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then you will say what's good to those who listen to you. Did you catch a few phrases in there? I, I want you to catch this. Say what other people need. Say words that help others. Say so that your words will be good to those who listen to you. Your words are meant for the benefit of other people, not you. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. God gave you the ability to speak words for the purpose of benefiting other people. So you're supposed to speak words in such a way that edifies people and lifts other people up. And the thing is, is if we're not careful, we will make it about us. Anytime that our words become about us, our words become this. Because we're inher in, in, inherently sinful. We're inherently selfish. And so anytime our words become about us, it's very easy for it then to become a cinder block in somebody else's arms. It's very easy for us to throw harsh things at people, dirty things, rough things. I, I left these cobwebs and, and dirt on here on purpose because that's what it is whenever we give it to somebody else to hold. And we think we're giving them a feather. We think we're doing something light. But if our words become about us and it quits becoming about them, more importantly, it quits becoming about God and we do damage in our relationships. So Paul says this. He says, speak words that aren't harmful to each other, but speak words that are good for one another. Speak words that lift other people up, that make them stronger. And then he goes on in verse 25 to say this. You must stop telling lies. Tell each other the truth because we all belong to each other in the same body. And so he begins to lay out these foundational elements of healthy conversation. Can we just agree that we're going to dive into these and take something away today? So he, he, says, he says this, stop telling each other lies, tell each other the truth. You know the, the first way you can be sure to stop throwing cinder blocks at the people you're in a relationship with is be honest and be specific. Be honest and be specific. Did you know that the hallmark of a dysfunctional family or any relationship is secrecy? It, it's the hallmark. Dysfunctional families, dysfunctional relationships don't talk about things. Dysfunctional relationships, they don't talk about what's going on. Someone will say, we, we've got these problems, and they're hard to deal with. And you may ask, well, do you talk about them? And the, the answer is always, no, absolutely not. They could never handle that. She would blow a gasket. He would go crazy. Relationships break down when the truth stops being told. And I'm going to talk about how in a minute. But without truth, relationships suffer. They, they do, but when there's an honest environment where two people are saying, listen, I love you and I want to know what's going on or I, I want to speak about what's happening and I care about you and we're in this together and we need to help each other, that's when trust begins to grow. And, and don't just be honest, but also be specific. So if, you, if there are hardships going on in your relationship, part of, of not throwing cinder blocks at somebody is to be able to be specific. And there's this, this, the difference in feathers and cinder blocks. It's the difference in your words. Don't just say you make me mad, but you have to be specific about it because the other person's not going to know what to do if you just belt out, you just make me mad. You have to make it specific about your feelings. You have to make it specific, not just what they did to make you feel that way. You have to be specific about what's going on in you, your feelings. Try and figure out why you're mad before you say the first word. I, I am stepping on some toes, and mine have already been <laughs> stepped on. <laughs> Uh, try to figure it out because anger really isn't the issue. Anger is just a warning flag that there is an issue. So we got to figure out what the issue really is. 
Anger wells up inside of you when something else is going on. It's what we call the unfeeling. It's when I feel angry, I feel un-something. I feel unaccepted. So maybe you can figure that out and, and say that. You, I feel unaccepted whenever you compare me. I feel unaccepted when you put me down or you make light of things and make fun of me. It, it makes me feel like you're not accepting me. Maybe I, I feel unappreciated. I feel unappreciated when you take me for granted. It makes me angry, but really it's just it's this feeling of unappreciation when you don't value my efforts or when other things seem important, uh, more important than me. Get to the root of why you're angry and, and be honest, but be specific about your feelings. Uh, I feel unsupported when you work against me or when you don't share the load. I feel unprotected when I feel unsafe and, and I, I, I get angry about it because I don't feel like you're a place I can come to. And, and get some things out. Maybe I feel uncertain. I feel uncertain when you do things and I feel like I can't trust you or when you say one thing and, and you do something else or you don't tell me the truth. It, it makes me feel uncertain. There's anger associated with that, but really I, I feel uncertain. Do you see the difference in that? When, when we're being honest with somebody, we can't just focus on what somebody else did. We have to focus on us too. We have to focus on the feelings inside of us. Do, do you know the, the number one reason why we don't do this? You know, the number one reason why we don't give somebody a glimpse into our own hearts whenever, whenever we're uh, having conversations is because it makes us vulnerable. It makes us vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to hold your heart out to somebody and say, this is the way I really feel. It's a whole lot easier to stay on the surface and just argue. But it, it makes us vulnerable whenever we say, I feel unprotected right now. Because I don't know what they're going to do with it. I, I don't know if they're going to reject it. I don't know if they're going to make fun of me. I, I don't know. But do you know that the number one reason, um, not just why we don't do it, you know the number one reason why relationships grow? You want to know the number one reason why relationships flourish and there's joy and there's restoration? It, it's the same rule in reverse. Somebody was vulnerable enough to put their heart out there and explain, and somebody cared for it, and somebody nurtured it, and somebody grew together with that person because their true feelings and their true heart was shown. And then two people were doing that together, and the relationship grew. grew. You can't have intimacy and dishonesty at the same time. Is it a gamble to put your heart out there and say, that? yeah, it is? Is it, is it frustrating? Could you get hurt? Yeah, absolutely, because human beings are involved. But that's the only way relationships grow. Being honest and being specific about you, putting your heart out on the line and saying, you know what, I'm angry right now, but really it's, I feel unappreciated or I feel uncertain. And it's the only way that you, you can be cared for. It's the only way that your heart can be cared for. When two people do this, a relationship that's healthy ensues. Now, some of you may be thinking, you know what, I'd rather throw the cinder block. <laughs> they, they deserve that and it feels safe to me. It feels safer than, than going out there because I, I could never share my heart with them. I could never, because they're not going to care for it or I don't feel safe doing that. And you know what? It's not going to be easy. Let me just go ahead and tell you that. It's not going to be easy at all. But I want you to remember this. Jesus became a human being just like you. Jesus had emotions just like you. And he put himself out there for you. And he died for you. Listen, just for the chance that you would say yes to him. He died for you just for the chance that you would say yes and a healthy relationship would ensue. And the reality is, is he leaves that up to you. Just like you'd be asking somebody else, care for my heart. Jesus did the exact same thing for you. And it didn't stop him from putting himself out there. And when we're honest and specific about ourselves, we pave a road where effective communication and growth in our relationships have a chance to flourish. So we have to be specific. 
but we have to be honest about where we are. Another piece of the foundation that Paul gives for healthy conversation is to be careful and be considerate. Careful and considerate. Ephesians chapter 4, 26, the next part, it says, When you're angry, do not sin. When you're angry, do not sin. Do you know what, want to know why he said that? When you're angry, don't sin? Because he knew. <laughs> he knew that remote controls could fly across the room and break lamps. He, he knew that doors could slam so hard that astronauts could hear it on the International Space Station. He, he knew that we had the capacity to do that. He knew that your words could be so well-deserved in your mind that it would actually be like a cinder block hurting somebody. He knew you could get angry and sin. He knew I could. And there is nothing more careless and inconsiderate than sin. And the reason sin has its root in selfishness is because we are, it's, it's about us. It's about self. And we end up throwing things at other people. There are several sin, sinful patterns of communication that I, I want to share with you. It's like throwing cinder blocks at somebody. And I want to share them with you. And I want you to know that they're dysfunctional. And so if there's some level of dysfunction in your relationship, I want you to understand it's a sin. And the reason is, is because God is not the author of dysfunction. God is the author of life and joy and love. And the opposite of that is the opposite of God, which is the opposite of him is sin. So if your relationship is dysfunctional on some level, I want you to understand that it's not just some, some deep thing inside of you that it's an option to work on. I want you to understand that it's sinful. And I want to talk to, about some of them as they relate to communication. Are you ready? All right, because we, we need to hear these. The first one is this. It's passive aggress aggressiveness. This is somebody who communicates negative feelings in an indirect or dishonest way. I, I, feel, like, I'm, I feel like you just need to lean in, and I feel like you need to tr give me some trust here. Uh, on the opposite end of things, there's an aggressive person. Now, you never have to wonder what an aggressive person is feeling. You may be that. You, you never have to wonder what they're feeling. You never have to wonder what, what they're thinking because they're going to tell you, and a lot of times it's, it's explosive. Um, you know what they're thinking. They use aggressive lang language. A passive-aggressive person is somebody who is just as upset with you, but you don't know it. They don't say so, and they get real quiet, and you ask them, are you okay? And they, they just seem distant, and they say, I'm fine. Now, understand, there's a difference in, in holding your words and waiting for the right time and being passive-aggressive. A passive-aggressive person is internalizes every bit of that, and they don't say it. They're just, they say, I'm fine, nothing's wrong. All the while, they're thinking, if you only knew, <laughs> if you only knew what I was feeling right now, I would absolutely get you. They're not actively aggressive. They're, they're passively aggressive, but they're just as aggressive nonetheless. And there's lots of reasons that people fall into this pattern. Uh, sometimes it's fear of rejection. Sometimes it's a lack of courage to be able to face real issues. Um, for some people, it just it takes them time to get in touch with who they are and, who, wh and where their emotions are. But eventually, passive-aggressive people, they have to come to grips with reality, and that is the root of their actions is dishonesty. And that's a sin. It, unresolved sin opens the door to deeper sin. And a lot of times, because passive-aggressive people, they don't verbalize things or they don't get it out, those things have a channel, and they come out in a, in a different way. Sometimes it, it, it happens uh, with gossip. Sometimes it happens when they begin to undermine people. And they don't say much, but they end up doing this. It, it, sometimes the avenue is slander, and they'll defame someone or put them down. When the truth is, is that God can't bless a relationship that's based on that. Passive aggressiveness. A similar pattern in appearance, uh, but it's different in cause, is that's uh, this, punishing with silence. Giving somebody the silent treatment. It's, it's cinder block city. You, you, it's, it is a dysfunctional, sinful 
uh, pattern of communication. The scenario goes like this. You have an argument with, with, uh, with somebody you're in relationship with. You get angry, and you walk around for long periods of time, sometimes days, and you don't say anything. See how long they can go without hearing my lovely voice. And, and we, we punish with silence. And the, the reality is, is that your silence really, really is not an attempt to resolve anything. Your silence is an attempt to control somebody. And God didn't put you in relationship with someone to control them. God put you in relationship with somebody to love them. Another sinful pattern of communication is unloading. I'm not talking about venting emotions. We all need a time whenever we can do that. Um, I'm talking about you walk up to somebody that you're in relationship with, <laughs> and you give them everything right there. I mean, you, listen, I mean, you, you just let them have it. Here, hold this. And there's lots of reasons that we develop this pattern of communication, unloading. Um, sometimes it's because we delay confrontation. It, we're like a, a pressure pot right here, and all of a sudden it comes to a certain point, and we just explode. And the way that shows up is you get along for a while, and then one day there's this huge knockdown drag out, and the one that explodes just felt it coming all along. And he, that person is relieved, but the other person is completely shocked. The other person is completely blown over. The other person has had a cinder block shoved in their face. And the one person's relieved. They're like, yeah, I just threw a bunch of feathers at you. We are, we're just growing here. Thank God for this. Thank God I was able to get it out. Meanwhile, the other person is completely shattered, unloading. Uh, sometimes other people or other situations bother us, and we go and we vent it out and we direct it onto the people that we love. I've had this huge, this huge thing at work, and, and the CEO comes and yelled at my boss, and then the boss came and, and yelled at me. And then so I go home, and I yell at the wife, and the wife goes and yells at the son, and the son yells at the sister. The sister yells at the dog. The dog bites the cat, and the cat tears up the pillow. Stupid cat, you know, or I just want to blame the cat. And it's just it's this cycle. Listen, unloading is dysfunctional. Unloading doesn't build up. Unloading rips apart, and therefore it's a sinful pattern of communication. There's also verbal abuse. That's another very dysfunctional pattern of communication, and we, we all would agree to that one. But we all always think, well, that could be name-calling. We call somebody a name or we compare them. You know, you're just like my brother. You're just like the person that I, I knew that, that used to do this to me. It's dysfunctional. It's verbal abuse. There's also public shaming. You ever been out to eat with a couple and they just start to criticize each other and you know it's crossed the line? Isn't that awkward? And you're like, oh, we're going to go. <laughs> you know, we're going to leave. We haven't even had dinner yet. That's okay. We're, we're leaving. This is awkward. Public shaming. And, and, and we, we criticize each other in public almost as a way of an injustice gathering. We're wanting someone else to come on board with what we're doing, and we do it in a very dysfunctional and sinful way. Here's a, a rule of thumb. Compliment the people you're in relationship with in public. And if there needs to be correction, do it in private. Verbal abuse can also take the form of sarcasm. And this is where we... How many sarcastic people are in the room? And you're like, well, that's just my personality. And I get it. I, I love a joke just as good as any. But when it's no longer funny for both of you, uh, you're actually taking something that's true and you're twisting it to the point that it's causing pain in somebody else. That's sinful. That doesn't build up. And it's not unusual for someone who is in this pattern of dysfunction to look at the person that got hurt and say, what, you can't take a joke? 
I was just joking. You, you can't take a joke. If you're hurting someone, it's not a joke. If you're hurting someone, it's demeaning and it's hurting the relationship. And frankly, it's a sin. God is not pleased with that. Another dysfunctional, sinful, cinder block heavy means of communication is manipulation. That's when we take uh, an illegitimate means to control somebody else's decision. And sometimes, in fact, a lot of times, this comes in the form of social manipulation. And we'll look at some, well, you know what everyone's saying about you. Or you know what everyone's going to think if you do that. And so we end up using guilt and shame and social pressure as a means of controlling somebody to do what we want to do. And it's wrong. It's sinful. It's a sinful way to influence other people. And you know what history tells us? History tells us that manipulators eventually find themselves alone. Because it turns out people don't want to be manipulated. <laughs> Once they figure out they're being manipulated and they've had enough, they'll move on. They'll, they'll move out of relationship with you unless there's a real change. People who manipulate, those relationships typically end. Manipulation. Here, here's one that really affects most of us in the room, um, whether we want to admit it or not. And that's, that's a critical spirit. Somebody that has a critical spirit. Everybody needs to air a complaint every now and again. I think that's healthy. But did you know that there's a big difference in airing a complaint and being critical of somebody? There's a big difference in that. You can air a complaint and not criticize. In fact, in any relationship, you need the ability to complain well. You, you need the ability to do that, and you need to give other people in your life permission to complain well to you. And how well you receive that feedback uh, and, and the grace you give with that feedback determines whether honest people in your life are ever going to come and be honest with you again. You, you need to be able to complain well. Dr. Gary Smalley, he's a well-known author and counselor, he, he says that there's three levels of this in, in a relationship and that we need to learn to recognize them. And the first one is this, it's complaining. And this is the right one. This is what you should do. This is where a relationship can benefit and be healthy. It's when I tell you about how I'm feeling. I, I don't do anything about you, but I tell you about how I'm feeling. It goes like this, I love you and I'm, I'm committed to our relationship Yesterday, whenever you said such and such, I, I walked away feeling unappreciated. I'm being vulnerable with myself. I'm, I'm, hold, I'm holding myself out there. Now, I, I realize that I may have read that wrong, but this is just the way I feel, and I, I feel like we need to talk it out. You, you see the difference there? I kept the issue about me. I kept the issue about my heart, and I put myself out there. That's a valid complaint. The next level, and this is typically where we all end up, is criticism. Now, this is the opposite. This is, isn't about me anymore. I, I put my directives onto you. It's about me putting, uh, not about me putting myself out there. I was in shock yesterday whenever you did such and such. I can't believe that you would treat me like that. I am so sick and tired of you doing that. And this is where it starts to be sinful because there's no restoration from here. This is a battlefield. You, you have taken this cinder block and you said, here, I want you to hold this. Now what? <laughs> Cross that line. I'm sick and tired of you doing this. You always do this to me. If you love me, you would do something different. Cinder block city. Now, you go. What have you done? You, you haven't done anything to restore anything. You have created a boundary that you're not crossing, and you've asked the other person to do battle with you. Now, the next level is, is even worse. It's contempt. This is, you've moved past criticism into full-blown attack. This is where name-calling comes in. You moron! <laughs> you idiot! You always do this, and you are never going to change. 
all right, let's go get pizza. That felt better, right? We, we, no, that there, there is nothing building up about that. There is nothing that can res, be restored from that. It is a battlefield. If you have complaints, listen, we have to be able to air complaints in any relationship. Without complaints, issues build up and pressure builds up. But you have to be honest and you have to be specific about where you are. Be careful and be considerate, but air your complaints. But if you recognize there is a criticizing or contemptuous spirit, you need to recognize that as sin. That's so important for you to understand. Listen, that has nothing to do with what they said. It has nothing to do with what they're doing. It has to do with something that's going on inside of you. There is a sinful pattern of communication that you have developed that is going to destroy your relationships. Paul said this. He said, whenever you're angry, don't sin. So I'm saying in all these types of scenarios, there's going to be anger there. There just is. And we get the choice whether we're going to hand somebody our heart or we're going to hand them a cinder block and do damage. Now, here's a sad reality. A lot of people, they view these traps of sinful communication as an option that they can fix, as a personality trait that they can work on. But the fact is, is that they're sinful because we're either loving or we're not. We're either edifying someone else or we're not. They're either sinful or they're not. And until we view them that way, then we are going to give ourselves permission to continue in them as long as we feel justified. In verse 27, he says this. He says, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. He says all these things, you know, be honest and, and don't tell lies. And, and when you're angry, don't sin. And he says, don't give the devil a way to defeat you. Now, I think it's interesting that the word devil in the Greek is diabolos. It means slanderer or accuser. It's someone who speaks out or to misalign or misrepresent, to make malicious statements. And I think it's interesting that the enemy of our faith, Satan, uses words to tear down and make us feel shame. The enemy, Satan, who is the enemy of your faith, he uses words to tear you down and rip us apart. I just think that's interesting, that, that when we give in and we throw harsh words around, we're not just venting, but we're joining in with what Satan is doing. The, the very thing that we are doing in destroying relationships, throwing harsh words around, is the exact same thing that Satan's trying to do to us with words, to accuse us, to slander us. And he's trying to destroy you, and he's trying to destroy the one that you're in relationship with. And the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, he says, let's, let's run this race that's before us. That's how he describes our walk with the Lord until we all get to heaven, like a race. He says, let's, let's run this thing, and let's never give up. Listen, how are we going to do that? We should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way. Remove from our lives anything that's sinful and that easily holds us back. Satan's job is to hold you back from God's best for you. His job is to, to hold you from God's best for you, and he does it with sin. You know what? The fact is, is we walk around with these sometimes, and we want to hand them to the person that we're in relationship with, and we forget the fact that Satan's the one that put this in our hands. You, you didn't just get this from nowhere. Satan said, here. And, and he does it at the best time. When you're angry, when you've had enough, when they have said that for the last time, when they've come home late for the last time, when they've, they've done that to you and pushed your buttons on purpose and you just know it and you don't know what to do and you're wondering what you should say. And Satan said, 
here, hold this. They need this. You need to give it to them. And so we take it. And you've got this in your hand, and that's when you have the choice. You can either give it to them, or you can give it back. Say, Satan, you hold that. My words are going to be life-giving at this point. My words are going to be true. My words are going to be my heart. Because I trust God more than I trust you. I want to run this race with perseverance. I want to run this race and, and get rid of the sin that's so easily holding me back. I know your job. I know what you're trying to do, Satan. You're trying to not only hold me back, but you're trying to hold this relationship back. You're trying to hold back what God wants to do in me. And maybe that's where you're at today. I want to tell you the good news is, is that God can help. Now, for some of you in the room, you, your relationship, you feel like it's just ending. There is nothing you can do, and you feel like the only option is to abandon it. Did you know that sometimes in life, it is the small tweaks that we make that make the biggest difference? Sometimes we just feel like, well, we're ready to give up, and the only thing I need to do is just, is just throw in the towel. And we forget sometimes that it's a, it's a small tweak that can make all the difference in the big picture. And that helpless feeling that, that comes along, uh, with the, it, it goes away. Sometimes when we just make the smallest tweaks, maybe the tweak you need to make today is understanding that you're throwing cinder blocks when you think you're throwing feathers. What, what could God do if you would just start being obedient to the Word of God and using your words in such a way that we're light? Using your words in such a way that actually builds somebody else up. Using your words in such a way that God can use. Because again, that last verse that, uh, that we read at the beginning, I want to read it again. Paul says, say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger. Then what you say will be good to those who listen to you. So you have the choice. What, what are you going to give people today? One builds up, the other one destroys. It's up to you. Let's pray together. God, we, we know that, that you spoke. You spoke words and things began to come into existence in the beginning. You spoke words and breathed life. You speak to us. You, the Bible says it's your loving kindness that draws us to repentance. And Lord, we live in this, this world where we're affected by anger and sin. And, and we're so tempted to let people hold it. And the bad thing is, is we feel justified sometimes. But God, I, I pray for vulnerability this morning. That's my prayer. For vulnerability, that we would be vulnerable. Sometimes it's, we just need to be vulnerable to you. Whenever we're looking at a person in the face, and we don't want to show them our heart because they've destroyed it too many times. Or we don't feel safe. I pray, God, that we would start with being vulnerable with you coming to you and hearing your heart, hearing your words, hearing you and us. And, and, and I know there's life there. You never throw us things that are heavy that we can't bear. But you always speak words that are life-giving. When we hear that, then we can turn to the person that we're in relationship with. And despite what we feel, despite what they've done, despite their track record, we can speak words of life. I pray that we would get vulnerable and be okay knowing that ultimately it doesn't matter what they do or don't do. You're going you're gonna to hold us tight. You're going to take care of us. And let us find joy in speaking words of life. Thank you, God, for hearing our hearts this morning.
I don't know, there may be somebody in the room today that you're sitting here listening to all this and you've just come to the realization, maybe when you walked in, maybe while you've been sitting here or listening, that you don't have a relationship with God and that needs to be the relationship you start. Before any of your other relationships can have life in them, you have to have life inside of you. Water doesn't flow from a dry well. And right now, I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and you know who you are. That you need to start a relationship with Jesus Christ today. That's your next step. He loves you, he died for you, and he's ready for you to say yes to him. And so if that's you this morning, I'm, I'm just gonna pray a prayer. And my hope and my goal is that you are bold enough to say yes. I'm not coaxing you into anything. This is about you and about him. I'm a messenger that's come today. You're not here by chance to speak this to you. It's God speaking to you. Say yes to him today. God, I need you. Would you agree with that? God, I need you. Lord, I thank you for hearing our heart right now. Lord, I, I need you. I, I believe that you came to die for me. I'm not a perfect person. In fact, the best I have sometimes feels like absolutely nothing at all. Your word says the best I have in me is like filthy rags compared to your perfection. So Lord, I, I believe that you came to die for me, not that I'd be perfect, but that I'd be seen perfect because of your sacrifice for me. I can't ask to get into a perfect heaven that has a perfect God and me being imperfect. So I, I just accept Jesus who was perfection for me. I believe that he came to this earth, that he died for me, that he rose to life for me, and that he's alive today. I want to start serving you, and I want to live for you. I want to wake up every day with my heart aimed after you. I'm, I'm still not perfect, but I believe you're going to help me. You're going to help me in the words I say. You're going to help me in the thoughts that I think. You're going to help me in the decisions that I make to be a representation of something better than I am. You in me. You inside of me. I want to walk this day forward making you the Lord of my life. I thank you for that. Thank you for having me in Jesus' name. We say amen together. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Listen, if you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ today, if you prayed that with me and you meant it, would you take another step? You have a connect card in front of you. I want you to take a second and fill that out if you haven't already. There's a box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. We want to connect with you. Would you take that next step? Would you be bold enough to take that next step? Because there are some things that you need to know, and we want to be a, a help for you. There's, there are, the church is a, is a surrounding factor. We don't just ask you to check a box and leave, and we don't have anything to do with it. We believe that the church exists for the purpose of being a body and surrounding you. So if that's a decision you made today, would you be bold enough to make a, a check mark on there and, and turn it in? Uh, we want to we make contact with you. We want to help you understand what your next steps are and be there for you. If you're here for the very first time today, I am so glad you're here. Would you please take your Connect card and take it to the VIP desk on the way out? We have a gift we want to put in your hands. Um, and we want to make a connection with you. Take just a few seconds, but we want to know that you're here. Thank you so much for coming. Guys, we're going to be continuing our series, We Need to Talk, next week. I want you to be here, and I want you to be excited. My prayer and my hope is that we are developing stronger relationships because of God's Word and what we're learning. Amen? Have a great week, guys. See you next time.